to overcome, succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, defeat of an opponent to prevail, overpower or overwhelm of an emotion, adversity, a difficult or unpleasant situation, used in a sentence, resilience in the face of adversity. I want to break free. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 10 of the Overcoming Adversity podcast. I am one of your hosts, Blake Cohen, and I am here today with Amanda Marino, the amazing Amanda Marino. Hey, hey, Blake, what's going on? You know, I do this weird thing before every single show, and I don't know why I do it. I pop a couple breath mints, like it's going to make me talk better, or like that everybody could smell my breath. And I have no, I really have no idea why I always have these Altoids and I pop them right before we start. That's funny. <laughs> Hopefully it means well, you're all fresh to, breath. What I'm about to say going to be fresh, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so we have, we have an awesome guest today, and I think uh, I'm going to let Amanda do the honors of introducing him. Yes. Well, you know, Blake and I have been on this venture of this podcast, and, you know, we were kind of reaching out looking for other guests, but we knew when we started this that we really wanted our dear friend Michael on the podcast. Now I've known Michael since I started in this this crazy industry of working in behavioral health. And we've grown together and we've built families together and you know been like we were kind of like a pair uh, the same similar lifestyles going on across the whole country and we've just always been super connected and we're like family. And Blake and Michael and I have, you know, a special bond after spending some time in Utah together, um, and we just are like one big family. And so, Michael's someone who I've seen as a warrior in recovery, and a warrior in life, and has dealt with some really challenging things his whole entire life. And um, I'm so honored to have you on here, Michael. So thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm honored. Um, you know, I've been actually looking forward to this. I, I, you guys asked me a while back and I was just going through a lot in my life at the moment and uh, I just couldn't pull it together in time to, uh, to get this done. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it's, I think that uh, right now I need this to share this. So I really appreciate you guys. And, and you know, obviously uh, our journeys together have been pretty dear and near to me. Uh, I remember the day we walked in and we met at the care, the care conference, I believe it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Circle of Care conference, and uh, we we that's where we met, and that's where our journeys began. And it's it's been a pretty good journey. I've uh, uh, we've got to help a lot of people together. So I mean, I'm I'm definitely honored to be on this podcast, and I hope that you know I can share some things that might help somebody. And of course, I remember when you met me, and you of course instantly took a liking to me because obviously. <laughs> what's not to like what's not to like like super yeah. humble yeah well you know yeah. once in a while um, <laughs> so um i actually appreciated you saying no originally when we asked you because uh, you weren't in the right headspace and that it's a, a sign that you know how to take care of yourself and it's, it's a sign that um you put your priorities right and you had some bigger things going on. And I think that that's a, it leads to a great topic for today is, is to talk about what, what was going on for you at that time. But I, I do want to get a little bit of a glimpse backwards um, 
to, to some of your history and you know, you're, you're a, a known figure because you are on the, the show intervention on A&E. You are one of the interventionists. Uh, you were probably one of the only interventionists. Uh, there's a very small handful that I actually trust to do interventions. You didn't get your weekend certification in it. It was a very real training process, right? Yeah, correct. My, uh, my training process was uh, in, over the span of about five or six years before I actually did an intervention. Wow. <laughs> I feel that I'm in my, my year one and it's definitely lengthy. <laughs> yeah. The, the people that, the people that I surrounded myself with, uh, they were very adamant about, uh, doing things the way they were taught. And, you know, uh, although, you know, there is some great weekend courses, uh, I had to put in the time sitting side chair and, uh, and learning, learning this trade, because this isn't just something where you, go meet a family over the weekend and say, Hey, we're going to help you. Uh, you, you know, you, you get bonded with these families and connected and you're, you're entrusted with the care of their, their family members. So it's really important that you know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And, I'll and never that weekend, oh, that weekend, that weekend, uh, training is, is part of the process. So Correct. that's like one of the many puzzle pieces of being an interventionist. Well, it's like an attorney or, or any profession, a medical profession, you know, you have to get your continuing education. And I can Correct. imagine a weekend certification course is a great way to get a little bit more information and to stay up current with any innovation that's going on in the field. But I, taking the time to do what you did is really important. And I'll never forget an intervention that um, somebody that we were working on together that I'll never forget. I mean, the the time and effort that went into it. And I remember the mother gave you this huge book of information on the, on the kid and you got to study him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, took, it, it, uh, it definitely took me, it took me about a week and a half to go over the material uh, that the mother provided me, which is not unheard of, but it was definitely a detailed binder of information that yeah. actually, you know, it helped helping the client. Yes. But it was, more importantly, it was showing me how sick the family was, and it was really important to be able to do that. So, you know, I remember that case specifically, and I actually just talked to that mother last week. So, wow. oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's the 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 amount of work that goes into interventions isn't, you know, yes, it's great to go to these trainings because that's where we meet and we greet each other and we learn new techniques and styles and anything that's going on in the the um, the community. But most importantly. Um, we get to talk to each other and learn, you know, new things that we're doing along the road, but we're also getting to know each other and being able to have more tools for our tool belt. Um, you know, the trainings are great, but that's where you actually get to meet the, the people that are in your field. And, you know, you actually get to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and learn uh, mm -hmm. because it's not so much about, it's not so much about going to these trainings and, and, and taking pictures as, as, as it is in going there and actually learning and being, being vulnerable and, and understanding that you don't know everything. Uh, because if you're not learning something new in this field every day, then you're doing it completely wrong. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, you haven't always been so well-spoken, professional, and trustworthy, right? So tell us a little bit what young Michael Gonzalez was like. Well, I come from a background of, you know, obviously I'm in, I'm, I'm in recovery 12 years, um, just celebrated 12 years in February. So um, that lifestyle that I've learned to, to be a part of now is not something that I, I was accustomed to. It's something that I learned. And, and the guy that I used to be, you know, I come from Southern California and I also come from Arizona where I grew up, uh, between the two places. And I came from a, a background of gang affiliation and, and lots of drugs and just doing all the things that come with 
doing drugs. But for me, I grew up in Southern California and Arizona, so there's more, there's a lot more gang, um, gang violence and gang issues going on than there is in a lot of other places. So that's the kind of life that I grew up in. And my family was very affiliated with that lifestyle and they were all alcoholics and, and drug addicts as well. So, so you're you know, surrounded life, by violence, yeah. drug addiction, uh, gang activity growing up. Just from the time I was, I started doing drugs. Uh, the first time I did marijuana was, I was, I think I was nine. Um, the first time I had a drink, I was probably six like anybody else. But when I first started actually becoming a recreational user of, of other substances, I was probably 12 or 13. Um, and then I became addicted to methamphetamines at 14 and I started intravenously using methamphetamines at 14. So, you know, my wow. lifestyle, wow. uh, at 14, you know, I, I have a 13 year old son, uh, I have a two year old son and I have an eight year old daughter. And, you know, I can go through the ages of my eight year old and my 13 year old and realize what I was doing in my life, uh, comparatively what they're doing. There's, they're on two separate levels. Um, the way right. I grew up. Um, you know, I was already an adult at, you know, at, at 14 years old. And, you know, so to put that into perspective for people, I was already on my own at 14 and I'm raising a 13 year old now who's solely dependent on me. So, wow. I mean, talk about growing up in two different worlds. I, it's, it's, you know, I have the, I have the experience of both worlds, but I certainly don't want my kids to grow up the way I did. I bet you're, I can relate to that because it's part of my mission after some of the stuff I went through to, to make sure my mission in life to make sure my kids don't grow up the way I did with things like that, with the trauma and the chaos all before the age of 13, you know? I mean, it's, it, it, it weighs heavily on why I am the way I am today. Um, you know, it, it weighs heavily on what happened to me over the last two years of my life. Um, you know, the way I grew up is the sole reason of why some things started to fall apart in my life because I wasn't addressing the issues. So, you know, for me, if I can avoid it, uh, helping families, helping my family, I'm going to do it at all costs because I don't want anybody to experience the things that I experienced. You know, I'm still dealing with them today and I'm 40 years old. It's trauma, right? I mean, that's, yeah. it's traumatic, that type of childhood. And even though you grew up in it and were immersed in it and you were used to it, it doesn't make it any less traumatic for a child, especially. I mean, I think that everything that's happened to me, uh, you know, the reason why I'm a drug addict, the reason why I experienced uh, and did some of the things I've done in life all revolve around the trauma that's have happened to me while I was growing up. Um, Absolutely. I didn't, I didn't use drugs and alcohol because I wanted to use drugs and alcohol. I used drugs and alcohol because I was trying to medicate that feeling that I was going through away. Absolutely. So you've been through, I mean, you're kind of... I don't know. Don't take offense. This is, and you, I don't think you would because I know you, but you're, you're kind of like a melting pot of mental health in a way, <laughs> mental health issues. Uh, because I, you had a substance abuse issue. You've had trauma. You've had issues with suicidality too, right? Correct. Um, the, last, the last two years of my life, um, I think compiled with the trauma of growing up and becoming a drug addict and being in prison for uh, almost 12 years, I think it really just pushed me to a state of, I just couldn't pile it anymore. I was trying to do the self-care. Um, and, you know, in this field, as you guys know, we, we become overwhelmed with work and, you know, we care about what people think of us. And sometimes we don't say no when we should. And, you know, about a year and a half ago, um, I came to a point in my life where my, my significant other was caught up in addiction again for the third time. And I didn't know. 
And, uh, you know, you, you don't look for that when you're at home with your loved ones. You don't look for that. Being in the field, that's not what you're looking for. And, and I missed it. And I think the, that compiled with everything that I had been going through in my life and the constant change and just the big dramatic things and shifts in my life, uh, you know, suicide was an option. And, uh, you know, using drugs and drinking alcohol wasn't an option because my whole identity was built around my sobriety. Um, and I hate to say it this way, but it, the last three years, this character that I built because I wasn't healthy, um, I wasn't able to continue the, the, the care, the self-care that I needed to. And, and the, you know, the person that I became uh, found himself on the edge of a bridge, uh, ready to, to drop it, drop it all and, and walk away and, and leave my kids without a father. And, uh, you know, that's mental health guys. Um, you know, I had, I have a good life. Um, even to this day, even though with the trials and tribulations that I'm going through right now, I have a good life. And, uh, in that moment of time with everything just dropped on my plate, I just couldn't deal anymore. And, you know, we put this emphasis on sobriety, but sobriety is important. Don't get me wrong. It really is because if we pick up, you know, we're no good to the world, but if you're not taking care of yourself to, know what sobriety is anymore then you know you're just doing the opposite and for me you know it it pushed me to that point where i was standing on the bridge in spokane washington and you know god came to the he came to me that day he showed up and he showed up in the in the in a car horn um i was getting ready to end it all guys and, and a car horn honked and it scared me and it startled me and i fell off the bridge but i fell off in the in onto the sidewalk wow and uh and that's when i picked up the phone at i think it was like three o'clock in the morning at maybe 310 and I picked up the phone I called my sponsor um, and he didn't answer because it's you know it's three o'clock in the morning in, in Florida but my second call was to was to Judy Crane and uh, she answered man and and that's wow. where this new this new part of my journey began guys is you know I, I went from that moment to calling the police on myself um, checking into a hospital and then going to treatment <laughs> you know and that's 12 years in into sobriety and I went to treatment and, uh, uh, because of that's courageous, people, because that's of not being courageous. able to deal with life. And, you know, uh, it isn't to this day. I got the chills right now. I got tears rolling down my face because, you know, God showed up as a horn that day. And, <laughs> mm. you know, uh, it's as simple as that. Like, and we, we struggle with this idea. Is there something bigger than us? And well, for me, it's really, it's really very obvious. Uh, the last two years of my life have been in completely insane but you know right now I have custody of my kids and they're safe and I'm safe and and I went to treatment to get some help for my my trauma guys and life hasn't been the same since it really shifted uh it shifted the way I look at what I do to help people but it also really made me look at if I'm not taking care of myself I'm actually hurting people and and being able to take a step back from that and and not go to treatment with any kind of shame. Like I went to treatment saying, Hey, I need some help because I don't want to help. I don't want to hurt people when I'm trying to help them, you know, and, and I couldn't help my family. And that was the scariest thing for me is I've been providing for my family for a lot of years now. And, and I just couldn't do it anymore. And, and right. that day changed my life, you know, and, and, you know, the guest house and Judy Crane and her staff, I mean, obviously I've known about trauma for years, but being able to sit down and, and take some direction, knowing the things that I know in this field is, you know, it's tremendously changed my life. Um, you know, it's, it's really changed how I look at things now. <laughs> I, I got to think of the, 
I can't help but think of the amount of humility that it takes too to actually go and get the help. I mean, I know it came at a, at a desperate time and you, you needed to do something, but I can't imagine the humility of checking into the treatment center. And, you know, even though you're 12 years sober and it's, you're not there for addiction necessarily, you're just the whole process of checking in and doing your biopsychosocial and knowing everything you know about a treatment center. Just, you got to be sitting there just thinking in your head like, wow, how, how did well, I end up here? I have a I have a funny story. Um, I remember I don't m- remember much of the trip out to Florida um, from Spokane because I was in such a I was just I don't remember guys, but I do remember <laughs> sitting at the front gate. Uh, well, my friend Franny she picked me up at the airport, and I remember falling into her arms, just crying, and I remember that. And then I remember showing up to the guest house. <clears throat> I remember being at the front gate and just going. God, should I go get a beer? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? I, 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 I didn't know what I, I didn't know what to do. I remember taking people to treatment and just, you know, I've always dropped people off and they're, you know, they're 10 sheets to the wind and they're messed up and I'm showing up to treatment and I don't remember much of the trip, but I'm not messed up on drugs or alcohol. And I'm thinking, this is how cunning and baffling it is. I'm sitting at the gate and I'm like, maybe I should go get a beer, you know, and, and that, that's where I was like, whoa, <laughs> I'm sure glad I'm here. Cause like literally if I would have been, if I wouldn't have agreed to go to treatment and, and, and get some help for myself, that's proof right there to me that it would have been no time before I was using and, and out there doing what I shouldn't have been doing. And yeah. so for me, it was the talk about the spiritual awakenings that have happened over the course of the last year, guys is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, cunning, baffling, powerful, but the, the ability to, to recognize it now and not be ashamed to talk about, hey, yeah, 12 years in, I, I was really thinking about taking a drink. Like, it's funny, but it's dead serious. Like, the, I'm serious as a heart attack, too. And I think if you look at it, too, from another perspective of how, how you look, you, you don't look like somebody would, would imagine as somebody who'd be struggling or have to admit weakness. You look like a tough guy. You're like the opposite yeah. of me. You look, you're like a big dude and you got tattoos and you know, you come from a, a tough background. It, but it, you, you show that it, it doesn't discriminate. And if you need to get help, go get help. It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like. If you need it, go get it. Or how long I mean, you're sober or what you do in the mental health community. Like none of that defines who you are inside and we all suffer and we all need help. And that the fact that you reached out and did what you needed to do, even if it was that horn or it was that call or whatever it was that you did it. That's like, you know, I'm on tears over here. I mean, I think that the, the day that I checked into treatment, I, I know that lots of people in our field are struggling the same way I, I have. And I'm, I'm still struggling, but I'm struggling with normal stuff now and I'm able to deal with them. But I know there's more people out there. And, you know, I jumped into getting help at the risk of losing my kids and just losing everything. And I had the faith in, in, in the people around me to, to, to provide me the help to be able to get back up and, and do this thing called life. And guys, like, I know there's more people out there like me that are suffering. And and that's the reason, you know, that's half the, that's more than half the reason why I want to do this podcast right now is because our field is, is supposed to be helping people. And we, we, we shame our, our, we shame ourselves, you know, yeah, we, we, we just kill each other. Like there's people out there suffering and, and they can't reach out for help because we're too busy, you know, telling them what they're doing wrong instead of asking them what's wrong. 
you know, and, and here we are. And, and it takes a catastrophe for all of us to listen. And unfortunately, that's the truth. But I would like to be able to change that for people because it shouldn't take a catastrophe for us to be able to ask for help. Because just because we work in the field of recovery and just because we happen to be on a TV show and just because we appear to look like we have our lives together does not mean we're not hurting on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the, the direction that our field has gone in is the reason why a lot of us are really struggling. You know, and, and it's unfortunate, but I think to take away that shame and let people know that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay for people to judge us because as long as our side of the street is clean, like it doesn't matter what people say, you know, because at the end of the day, I can put my head down on the pillow and I'm good. <laughs> and I haven't been able to say that for a long time. Yeah. I think so many people are so concerned with putting this outward appearance, especially on social media or in the, in the eye of the public, looking at this, this outward appearance that recovery is great and that their life is so well put together because they're in recovery now. And the truth of the matter is that part of being in recovery is riding that roller coaster that, of course, isn't as bad as it was early on, but it gets bad and it gets dark and we constantly have to work on ourselves and keep our ego in check. And there's, there is no way that everything can all be sunshine and roses all the time. So those people who are, are out there just acting like recovery is, is all great all the time, I, I can almost guarantee that they're hurting and they're just not showing it. So I, I, I'm all for what you're saying and I'm a big believer in the importance of having real conversations with people and digging deeper. And when somebody says they're fine, keep asking more questions and see what comes up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, ten, you know, nine times out of 10 guys, we say we're fine. And then 10 seconds later, we're actually telling them how we are. And, and you know, right. it, it just, it takes that. It takes one more question after how are you? Right. <laughs> you exactly. Know, it, right. Takes, it, it takes one more question. And, and a lot of us, you know, I'm guilty of it. I think we're all guilty of it. Oh, you're fine. Okay. All right. And then we move it along. And, and unfortunately, that's what we need to slow down and, and realize is that we're supposed to be helping each other. Um, we need to you know, show each other that it's okay to be vulnerable. That's and not right. knock each other down when we're, yeah. we're doing well or knock, knock each other down when we think we know what's wrong. People are, like you said, people are, do, it's a lot of that. And that, that's really toxic in, in a helping profession, you know? I mean, in this, in this profession, like it, it takes a lot of work to get to the positions that we're all in and, and, you know, people envy that and a lot of pride gets in the way. But the reality is, is we've worked really hard to get to where we're at. And, you know, and, and instead of keeping that all to ourselves, I know the three of us and I know plenty of other people, we give it away freely and that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we shouldn't be marketing 24 hours a day. We should be loving 24 hours a day, you know, and, and, you know, we're supposed to be helping people. It's not about dollar signs and insurance policies and how many likes you get on Instagram or, or Facebook. It's, these are lives and we're humans and we're people. And, and like, we're not going to be around to enjoy any bit of life if we're not looking out for each other because nobody else is going to do it. Right. Because right. this, this field, nobody else is going to do it for us. We're in charge of, of the destiny of this field because it's so unregulated. And if we all don't get come together and, and start doing things the right way, uh, you know, we all know what's going to happen. And, and none of us want to see that, but, that's just really the truth of the matter. Yeah, I like to believe it's getting better though. And maybe I'm naive in that. And I've always been a little naive this whole time, but it's also, I think, kept me on a, a pure path. Um, yeah, our industry has absolutely gotten better. I mean, it's without a doubt, but I think internally our industry is, uh, is suffering and it's, it's all because of our own doing. It's not- Like the individuals, of, right? Yeah. The in, professional it's, individuals. Yeah. It's, it's us, it's nobody else. And, and 
at the end of the day, like we're supposed to be providing a service to help people. And if we're not helping each other, boy, we're hypocrites. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you have recently gone and you touched on it a little bit, but you know, the, the podcast <laughs> is called overcoming adversity and you, you've been through so much. Uh, but it, I think you've been through one of the most difficult adversities recently because it involves your children, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. I, I recently, uh, after getting help, well, it was actually during the process, uh, you know, my, my significant other had, uh, had another relapse and, you know, we go into this when we meet each other in, in, in recovery, you know, sometimes our significant others in, re- in recovery and, you know, you go into these relationships openly knowing that the possibility of relapse is there. And because of, you know, her lack of ability to, to stay connected in recovery, you know, we, we had grown apart. And during this process of, of getting better and, and going through the things that I've been going through, I'm also going through a divorce um, with my significant other who is not doing so well. And, uh, you know, we have three children involved and that changes everything. Uh, being the sole breadwinner and the, the person that was always working and providing for my family, when I stepped out of that role and went and got help, uh, my family, my business and everything kind of, uh, I don't want to say it fell completely apart, but you know, it's it certainly suffered. Yeah. It, it suffered drastically. And you know, my significant other was not able to step up to the plate, um, the way that we're taught to do. And during that process, my kids have been exposed to a lot of grown up things that they shouldn't be exposed to. Um, I've had to take a lot of action behind, uh, you know, behind the scenes of flying back and forth to Florida and not having a home anymore and having to deal with other drug addicts and alcoholics, uh, in my family's life. Now it has been one of the most trying and difficult things I've ever had to go through. And and I've been through a lot guys. I've been through some really hard times in my life and, and going through this with my soon to be ex-wife and my children has been the most difficult thing I've ever gone through because I've had to stay sober. I've had to bring in an income, I've had to stay healthy, and I've had to do all these things to get my kids in a safe place. And, uh, you know, without the support that I've had on the back end with some really important people in my life, you know, if I hadn't uh, taken care of myself and went to treatment and and done the things that I needed to do to be able to face this, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And uh, as of two weeks ago, you know, I, I gained custody of my children and they live with me here in Florida now. And, you know, uh, it was like a, an uphill battle guys. Uh, the court system in, in Washington is, you know, as they should be their, their, their mother States, you know, they, they really push for the mothers, mm-hmm. but sometimes, sometimes the fathers are, are a better fit and, you know, we're not second class citizens. And, and I've been fighting for the last eight months. Um, Jeez. really specifically six months. I've been really fighting really hard, uh, and not knowing, uh, the safety of my children and just not knowing uh, what's going on has been, you know, it's been a very difficult thing, but the God's honest truth phone calls with my sponsor, um, Jack just, uh, and he works in the field of recovery too. So he understands, but just calling him inventing and just knowing that I could fix every situation, not necessarily the right way, but I could fix things and not doing that and listening to my sponsor and listening to my therapist and listening to the professionals and not doing anything, but any, everything that I did, I did it with integrity. Right. Um, and it hurt guys, like not being able to see my kids. I went almost over, I went over a month without seeing my kids and, and you guys oh, know, and, and the world painful. knows, you know, the world knows that, you know, my kids are my everything. Um, 
you know, what you guys see on Facebook is really how I am with my kids and, and not being able to see them was one of the most difficult things I'd ever done. And, and being held in a position where I was being treated like I wasn't a good parent, um, right. knowing that I was knowing that I am a good parent was one of the hardest things. Um, you know, countless phone calls with me yelling at my sponsor or just yelling at some of my friends and just letting it all out and not for any other reason than just to fucking let it out because, you know, this process of, uh, you know, gaining custody when your significant other is in relapse is not an easy thing. Um, you no, know, it's, it's hard so frustrating on, it, to think it's about. hard on everybody. It's, it's so hard on the kids guys, the, the, the way my kids are now and how grown up they are is, you know, my daughter is two and my, my, or my daughter is eight. My son's two and my 13 year old and, they're very self-sufficient and they shouldn't be at that age. Right. Um, well, you think about what you said earlier that you, you wanted to raise your kids in an environment where they're, they're sheltered from all of the, the trauma and all the things that you experienced as a child. And then all of right. a sudden that starts beginning. Yeah. That I mean, was like part of your path and your mission to like protect them and make sure they had a different upbringing. So I'm sure that triggered your stuff too. I mean, you guys, this, this whole thing of, of going through this with my significant other and my kids and, and coming home and, and not knowing this person anymore and, and knowing the things I know about addiction and helping families and, and then seeing it right in front of your face and not knowing who you're dealing with or who you're talking to after you've been with them for so long, it's, it, it rocks your world. Um, I still to this day don't know who I'm talking to when I try to connect the kids with their mother because it's, you see that addiction, you see what it does and, and it doesn't matter if, it's your wife. It doesn't matter if it's your husband. It doesn't matter if it's your son or your daughter. Like it, the disease of addiction has one goal and that's to destroy everything. And, uh, you know, and if you're not, if you're not ready for that, it'll destroy you. And, you know, this process that I'm going through now, it's just the, the beginning guys, you know, this, this, this has happened before. Uh, unfortunately, this is the, the second time for, for my significant other. And I, I hope nothing but the best for her. I want her to get help. Because my kids need a mom and, you know, people across the country, they, they are all going through this. There's so many of us that go through this with people they meet in recovery and they fall in love and things go really well. But we forget sometimes that, hey, we're sick and we could, we could have a relapse and then this is what happens. And, you know, all these dreams and these goals and these things that you put together as a, as a family, um, they go right out the window. And, um, you know, honestly... My sponsor, the first thing he said to me, guys, was, you signed up for this. Mm. And, uh, and that that's hurt. a tough one. I, yeah, that's I a broke, tough one. I, I broke down. I had to yell at him. And it took, a good, it took a good couple of hours of talking to him for me to really hear him because uh, he's right. You know, and, and I lost sight of that. And, you know, there were so many good times that, you know, when the bad times hit, you know, I, I, I forgot that, hey, this is what I signed up for. And. You know, you do everything you can for your family and your marriage and you do everything as a husband or a wife. Um, and then you have to start doing things for you and your kids because it's not your responsibility to take care of that person. It's their responsibility, you right. know, and 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 we have children involved. So I have to be the parent that steps up and, you know, doing some of the things that I have done um, during this process. You know, I, I've certainly got some phone calls from some very good friends who have questioned what I'm doing and 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 thought that I was doing things the wrong way and, and didn't know the other side of the coin. And, you know, that's unfortunate that we have to deal with that judgment, but the decisions that I've had to make have been so hard. Um, 
but I've had to lean on some really good people in my life because I couldn't make those decisions without them because I wouldn't have made the right one. Um, I would have made the decision based on my feelings or her feelings instead of my children's feelings. And, uh, yeah, it, definitely. that was, you know, and I, I have to do that still to this day, it, it, you know, becoming a full-time, um, father has not been easy guys. I, I, I see all the things that I wasn't seeing, uh, when I was present with my wife. And so, you know, the damage that I, I have caused myself and, and the, the things that my wife has done during her relapse and the things that have happened amongst each other, I see it all in my kids. And, you know, I think that I'm grateful for it, first of all, but, you know, the, the damage that we do and we don't even see until we get some clarity is, is astronomical. And, it, and it's, it's the little things that affect the kids the most. Mike, so what, what right now is, is like getting you through all this? Like, how are you, like with all the stuff you've been through with the trauma coming up, the treatment, this, you know, the suicide, having your kids, like what is getting you through it right now? And like, what's ahead for Mike Gonzalez right now? Well, what's getting me through it most importantly is my sponsor and then the professional help that I'm seeking with my therapist. And then obviously my recovery group. Uh, I have a core group of people that I really lean on heavily. Uh, and obviously meetings are, are something that I <laughs> completely recommend. And it's something that I'm trying to get down to a science now that I have two kids running around. But, uh, you know, obviously sobriety is number one. But, you know, guys, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I think, thank God. And th that's my God. Um, I don't know what everybody else's God looks like, but mine is very evident in the, the life that we lead today and the things that I've gone through in my life. Um, you know, without God, my sponsor, my professional help in my circle, I can't do this because I can't do it alone. I've tried to do it for the last three years alone and it didn't work, you know, and, and, you know, this, this new outlook I have on life, it's really not a new outlook. I just kind of broke it back down to basics and, uh, and I'm taking some small steps and, and I'm regrouping and, you know, for the future for Mike, for me, for Michael Gonzalez, I mean, it's really simple. Uh, I put a year, you know, to, to get better and uh, I put a year to get to, to focus on my family. And now it's, it's time to start helping families again because my mission has obviously changed. Um, yes, we need you out here. We need you. It's, uh, it's really, it's, it's shifted. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that don't have the opportunities that I had. And, you know, I tried to end my life guys. And there's a lot of people that are successful at that, um, mm. including some of my own friends this past year. And it's, it's been really rough. So my mission has definitely shifted. And then, you know, obviously with my family going through this whole ordeal, um, you know, my intervention process is definitely going to change. And, you know, my process has always been family focused, but, uh, you know, now things have really shifted and I really want to help families that are going through the same things that I'm going through. And also, obviously, suicide awareness, guys, because, you know, we have great lives, but that doesn't matter when that dark cloud comes. It, it, there's nothing we can do if we're not ready for it. And, uh, you know, I want to help those people that are suffering. I think more importantly, our industry is suffering and those people are scared to say something. And I want to be able to speak out and help them because there's a lot of us out there and I know there is, you know, and this, this, this isn't an easy work that we do. And, and a lot of people take it lightly and it's not something that we should take lightly. As you say that, Mike, it like, I feel that pit in my stomach of those times that I've had like that, that, you know, maybe I didn't reach out as much as I should have in, in recovery and in the industry and just like held it in and like, act like I was okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I can only do that for so long though, before I, I crash. And, and I, have to. I mean, 
we don't recognize the pain that we're actually causing others around us because the people that are around us all the time know us best and they see us suffering and we think that they don't see it and they do, you know, and, yeah. and you, I mean, you guys are, you guys have watched me go through this whole ordeal. I know you guys have seen me hurting. I've gotten random messages from both of you to see how I am. So it's those, those are the messages that we need to, to, to openly talk about because there's so many of us out there struggling with this stuff right now. And, and the families that are being affected by us um, and how we carry this message of, of hope and recovery, you know, we should be a hundred percent on our game when we're carrying that message, you know, mm -hmm. and it's up to us to carry that message and do the work. So, you know, yeah. well, it's just a reminder, everything that you're saying though, too. And then you want to, we want to be of service to those people who are struggling with, with, um, suicidal thoughts or tendencies and we we have to remember that a lot of those times those people aren't going to reach out so it's important for us to to hold each other accountable and to talk to each other and to have real conversations and be supportive of each other mike i i'm so happy that you came on the show we got to wrap I it know, up thank you but so much before we wrap it up we do have one more little segment that we do every show called let it out where it gives me, you, and Amanda the opportunity to let something out that's bothering us today, where it, it could be menial. I, I mean, it's been as, as trivial as beaded doorways, which still bother the shit out of me, or <laughs> um, something very serious going on in our lives. But it's, it's really more about, is there something that you want to let out today that you just got a, a problem shared, it's a problem cut in half, so let's just talk about it. You know, the... the I mean, it's, it's the very obvious and glaring issue that's going on in my life right now is, is when a person in recovery is, you know, they mean the world to you, even though they're not, uh, you're, they're not with you anymore. You still want them safe. And, you know, I want people to know out there that, you know, to just reach out and ask for help. You know, I, the things that I'm going through guys are, I, I want my wife to, to get the help she deserves. Cause I need, I need her in my, my kid's life. And, uh, you know, no matter what our relationship is, her kids need her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the help was there, you know, and I just want her to get some help, man. That's all. I think we all, we all want that for you and for her and for your kids, especially. Thank you. Oh. Amanda. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. I'm emotional ball of mess over here. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see, let it out. Um, I don't know. I've just been, there's something I've been trying to do lately, you know, just on the, on the, um, self-awareness, like there was something that pink made a movement of like not criticizing anyone for 24 hours. And I swear to God, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, I really <laughs> like, just like in the littlest thing, I was like, Oh, that fucking me. You know, like, so I am like really trying to be aware of that. Like even in like little things, like not criticizing and just being loving and kind and compassionate, like knowing that everybody is going through some kind of battle. Everybody, people aren't wearing their, their issues on their sleeves. So I really want to try to like start with 24 hours and maybe incorporate that more into my life. So I know it's not really like a let it out, like nothing's frustrating me, but I guess it, the let it out would be that I couldn't do it for 24 hours and I was a little annoyed at myself. So, so yeah, the goal is to make the first 24 hours of not criticizing or being a critic to anyone, including it. myself. <laughs> I love it. 
Oh God, I feel like such an asshole. I mean, my my let it out is like just so different than your guys. But hey, <laughs> you know cool. what? We, we all have our own things. So I'm just, I mean, look, I'm going to rub it in here for a second. I'm in a pretty good headspace. You know, I'm, I'm happy. I, I feel content with life right now. I got a beautiful wife. Everything is going great and I'm very grateful. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm frustrated with just the lack of time and I haven't been able to go to the gym as much as I want to. And I'm dealing with some apartment issues with some unwanted pests in my apartment and I can't even stay <laughs> in my own apartment. So I'm kind of jumping around from friends' houses. Um, oh my God, Blake, you're so petty. How dare you? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Am I the petty one or are you guys? So. <laughs> see, see, look, I was critical. I was yeah. critical. Yeah. I couldn't even do it for five minutes. Oh my yeah. God. Uh, <laughs> all right, starting I now. Suck. Starting, starting now. And reset. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh you have God. until 345 tomorrow. <laughs> Stop Good being luck. judgmental. I'm going to check in. I'm going to check in with you guys at 345 tomorrow and let you know how oh. far I made it. Oh, I'm going to make it hard for you. You can check in with us at four o'clock. We understand. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Maybe you should let that all that out now. Once we hang out, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you though too. I'm gonna start sending you things in a text and see if you talk back about it or not. Oh no! <laughs> Come on, Blake. I can't do that. Uh, I want to see how strong you are. Only us would do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I teach people lessons. You guys need to learn that. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, Mike, thank you so much, man, for coming on with us. It, it really we was love you. awesome, thank and we you. do love you. Thank you, guys. I love you guys, too. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Hashtag fam. Hashtag fam. fam. Hashtag fam. Well, for everybody who's listening, if you have a story that you want to tell and you think that you'd be a good guest on our podcast, we are always looking for guests. Uh, we got to keep a guest coming every single week. So email us at overcomingadversitypodcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, which you should have already liked by now. Download us. Subscribe. Download, subscribe, like, iTunes, Spotify, share. like, share, comment. Uh, Check but out go, our IG. <laughs> Instagram too. That's right. And, and go message us on any of these platforms and tell us a little bit about your story briefly, please. And <laughs> not not the book version. Not the book version. We've gotten a couple of those, which we appreciate, of course. <laughs> I didn't read them, and <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I I did skim through it. Um, but yeah, we'd appreciate that. And if you guys are enjoying the podcast, it's very important that you go to Apple Podcast or to Spotify, and you go ahead and leave us a review. Click that five stars. Let us know that you're enjoying it, and leave a comment so we know you're there. We love you guys. Thank you, everybody.